Colonel Marcus looked up from the map spread on the roof of his command Humvee and sighed. His 4th Brigade combat team of the 10th Mountain Division was taking up defensive positions outside of Shreveport, Louisiana, and he wasn't happy with the situation at all. Colonel Marcus was standing in the doorframe of the Humvee, trying to gain just a little more visibility from the extra height. It wasn't helping much. To add to the frustration, he didn't have a proper military map. One of his staff sergeants had pulled this one from the glove box of his civilian car as they were rushing out of Fort Polk. The Army didn't issue proper military-grade maps of North America to its core. Shreveport was the hub of the wheel for several nuclear power plants residing along the Mississippi Delta, and it was the 410's objective to gain control of the region for the independence. The decision to pledge his command to the new group had been difficult enough. Now their first mission was causing him to second-guess that commitment. During the first few months after everything had fallen apart, his brigade had been ordered to perform unthinkable acts by the regular chain of command. While there is no action more demoralizing for a military unit than to enforce martial law on the native populace, the situation had been even worse. Not only was the 410 ordered to enforce rule of law, they metamorphosized into the healthcare provider, fire department, police, and food distribution center for the distressed population. One night, Marcus had been visited by a former commanding general whom he respected. The sales pitch explaining the independence purpose had been executed flawlessly. After sleeping on it, Marcus decided he was in. The President of the United States was off the reservation, and the independence pledged to restore rule, governing based on the Constitution of the United States. That founding document was what Colonel Marcus and every other U.S. officer swore an oath to protect. Marcus looked over his shoulder at Sergeant Major Mitchell and shook his head in disgust. Mitch, this isn't good. I don't know how far back to place our reserve. Is there any topography data available? Sergeant Major Mitchell shook his head. I sent a couple of men into Shreveport to check at the local library, sir. Town's been badly looted, but they're trying to find something. Truthfully, I wouldn't count on it, Colonel. Colonel Marcus looked back at his map and tried to reach a decision. The 4th was spread across a five-kilometer front, halfway between the city of Shreveport and the Texas-Louisiana state line. The northernmost units could see the shores of Lake Cross from their vantage. The brigade had taken defensive positions that spanned Interstate 20 and continued south for another kilometer. The 410 was a light unit, which meant that their main firepower consisted of thinly armored striker fighting vehicles. A heavy unit would rely on tanks. The Strikers were one of the latest additions to the U.S. arsenal and had exceeded expectations in Iraq. Faster and quieter than both M1, Abrams' main battle tanks, and the older Bradley fighting vehicles, the Striker was an eight-wheeled troop carrier with some very advanced capabilities. The 410 had caught some good luck, however. When everything had gone to hell, two platoons of the Louisiana National Guard were engaged in exercises at Fort Polk, training with their eight M1A1 tanks. This augmentation was the brigade's ace in the hole, and right now Marcus was trying to figure out where to position this additional combat power. The independents had informed him that the 410 was about to receive visitors. Just as had occurred thousands of times throughout history, two significant military forces both wanted the same strategic ground at the same time. A collision was inevitable. The Iron Horse Brigade of the 1st Cavalry Division was known to be moving east from Dallas and headed right at him. A heavy unit thick with tanks, the Iron Horse was loyal to the President.
Worse yet, Colonel Marcus knew they were highly trained, well-led, and very capable. An experienced military man, he recognized that leadership and motivation were often as important as equipment, and the unit heading toward him had plenty of both. If this confrontation turned into a fight, he was outgunned. While his wheeled strikers were faster, the M1 tanks used by the Iron Horse were about as close to unstoppable as any machine on the modern battlefield. They didn't call the M1 tanks whispering death for nothing. Were it not for the addition of the tank platoons to his order of battle, Colonel Marcus would never have considered a fixed line of defense. He would be relegated to fighting a retreat and hope to wear his opponent down. He knew that pure firepower seldom won battles. Maneuver was the key to victory. At least that's what every officer who was outgunned told himself.